It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Subscribe to the Astros Podcast. Joined by Justin Verlander getting the ball on opening day. Steve Sparks here, and I'm with Lance McCullers. Tons of interviews. Robert Ford joined by Michael Brantley. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa returning to the lineup today. Highlights. That is lined in the right field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. High deep, and it's gone. A grand slam. Follow your favorite team. Subscribe to the Astros podcast. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute Maid Park. <laughs> For the H. They never said it would be easy. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Back to Astropod, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. And welcome back to Astropod. This is Steve Sparks with your Astros radio team. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by the man. By the man, Jeff Blum. Mm. Blummer, thanks for coming on, buddy. Sparky, I've got nothing better to do with my life than just wait for the phone call and opportunity to be on this Astro podcast with you. So I greatly appreciate you making the request, and I'm happy to oblige. I appreciate you still have a landline, so that helps out. Uh, I can call you anytime because you never say no to these. I appreciate it. No, I'm a yes guy right now, considering what's going on. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to work it into my schedule, but somehow, some way, I, I managed to shoehorn that in there. But but, uh, you know, the good thing about having a landline is you can also get that solid dial-up service. <laughs> All right, you're also a yes guy to the Houston Together t-shirts, and that's raised a lot of money for the Astros Foundation. Of course, that goes to the COVID relief. There's also masks that are made from Astros retail inventory, uh, which are cut to create protective face masks. So it's a perfect time for that and might have partial Astros logo may may have a full Astros logo, but that sounds like a good way uh, uh, to use some of that material and uh, uh, another opportunity for people to to give a fifteen dollar donation. Blummer, that's also going to go to the Astros Foundation for COVID relief. No, I think it's always great, you know, that some of these organizations are giving the opportunity to give back while you also receive something. So you you talked about the T shirt, you donate the twenty five bucks, you get a T shirt, and you know the money is going to a great cause. And now the masks are coming up; they're recycling some of the unused materials, like you said, they have lying around the retail stores at uh, Minute Maid Park and uh, across baseball. And you also get to represent the Astros again you know I think that's one of the coolest parts now is that you know I don't want to say that masks are becoming fashionable but they're a necessary means for us to try and acclimate to the current situation yeah and why not do it with a little bit of flair and throw the Astros logo on there yeah fashion statement all right it's beautiful weather out there Jeff uh, are you getting some exercise outside right now yeah, I actually am. Yeah, we're, we're lucky enough to have a great walking path outside our house, but also at the same time, I have done my best to try and get better at golf. I am sick and tired of going on the road and having you and TK take my money 
embarrass me and make me look bad. So I took it upon myself to get a couple of lessons and uh, meet some great, great people in the process too. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on my swing and that's my goal by the time this whole thing's over and we get back together and get the opportunity to hopefully travel and uh, go to some of these courses that we enjoy is I'm going to try and play a little bit better, maybe sneak up on you guys. Yeah, take my money. Well, we're, we're lucky. We've had Lance Berkman on Astropod, you and I did. We also had Jeff Backwell and it's another Hall of Famer. It's, a, it's an Astros legend and uh, we're pleased to be joined by the Hall of Famer, Craig Biggio. Take it away, Blummer. We are here with Hall of Famer Craig Biggio, and I'm just going to rattle off some of the numbers that everybody knows about, but I just have fun talking about them because they are so good. He is a seven-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, and five-time Silver Slugger, and obviously into the Hall of Fame. He played second base catcher, center fielder, an incredibly talented athlete, and also a very good friend of the Astros podcast that we've got going right now. Me and Steve Sparks have the luxury of talking to Craig Biggio. And Biggio, how are you holding up through all of the madness that is going on right now? <laughs> We're good. Um, you know, my, my kids and I and my wife and I, we haven't killed each other yet. So things have been... <laughs> We've been doing okay. Actually, we're just taking advantage of the time that we've been having together. Uh, you know, Quinn just finished school yesterday. Connor graduated uh, Rice University now with his MBA like uh, a week ago. Uh, and Kevin's, you know, just trying to do his baseball stuff and stay in shape. But we're just trying to take advantage of, uh, you know, I guess some, some time that we'll never probably ever see again, just from the standpoint of making, trying to make a positive out of it from the standpoint of like, you know, once your kids get older and move on, they leave and, you know, you, you see each other on holidays and, and special events and stuff. But, you know, this is kind of uh, it, it's been kind of it, it's been very difficult at, at times and, and across the world. But yet again, we're trying to make it to be something that uh, we're grateful for. Well, I tell you what, you're already way more efficient at being a dad than I am. You've gra- you know, you get kids graduating, <laughs> finishing college and yeah. one ready for the major league season coming up. So I applaud you on that sense. But uh, you have you yourself have played in long enough in your career starting in 1988 in the major leagues you've had the opportunity to play through some work stoppages is there any comparison we can draw between what you've been through and what you're seeing now with what these guys are going through now that you have a son that's working through this yeah and i feel horrible i mean it's just like uh i mean all a kid wants to do is go play and uh they got an exciting thing going on up there in toronto and um uh, but you know, this is just a, an undescribable unique situation from the standpoint of like, you know, the work stoppages, the two work stoppages that I were part of was, uh, you know, player owner related, uh, you know, discrepancies that you have. And, uh, and you just hope that, uh, the ones that we went through, you could kind of see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, in this one here, it's just kind of like, you know, nobody's done anything wrong and, just, you know, we just had a, a worldwide epidemic going on right now that we'd need to uh, all deal with. And and hopefully, uh, you know, we can uh, start seeing something positive from this. And, and uh, you know, hopefully with the intent now of, you know, something I think uh, would be great. You know, from the work stoppages we had before in the past, it was always, like I said, it was just negotiations here and there. And then all of a sudden you go back to work. So, um, you know, the hard one here is still trying to work out, still trying to hit, trying to do all your stuff. And but I think once guys, uh, once whenever it comes down to get a clearing to go, guys will go play and get their stuff themselves in shape real quickly. And uh, it, it, you know, I, I don't think it should take that long, considering that they they've already uh, had a little bit of spring training. Biz, you talk about Kevin's career in Toronto right now, and I couldn't get it out of my mind when Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez, a couple of the Blue Jays broadcasters. We're talking last year that that Kevin already had a voice in that clubhouse. He's he's going to be a leader, 
mm-hmm. they recognized that uh, really early on. But uh, when did he start showing those types of traits? You know, he's kind of like an old school, old school soul. You know, he's not a big rah rah guy. Uh, you know, get up in your face and do all that type of stuff. But he leads by example, and then you know, when he does speak, it's uh, it carries a lot because of the standpoint of. Uh, and I think he learned a lot, honestly. I mean, you know, we were fortunate to have kids, uh, early enough in my career that I was able to play long enough, uh, that they were able to see how you're supposed to handle yourself day in and day out in a clubhouse and see things. And not just particularly me, I'm just saying, you know, I had the opportunity to just look around the clubhouse, you know, you had, you know, Brad Osmus and Baggy and, and, and the list goes on and on. Blummer was there for a little while. And, and then Kevin was always one that, uh, you know, he, he, you know, when you told him to do something, he did it. And then, uh, he, and he didn't avoid it, you know, but I think he, he just listened and he watched and he learned a lot. And I think that, uh, it's really paying off for him now. And, uh, and being in that, uh, in that locker room that he's uh, in, in Toronto right now. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes that we deal with on, on a daily basis. And Carl Schneider's the clubhouse manager for the Astros now. So we see him first. As soon as we walk into the clubhouse, we see him every day. But, mm-hmm. but Biz, you got really close to Dennis Laborio, who, who was the uh, clubhouse yeah. manager for the Astros when you were playing. Tell the people, you told me a great story last year about you wanted to bring Kevin and Connor to the <laughs> clubhouse, but you really had to do some persuasion with Dennis, didn't you? Yeah, Dennis, you know, God bless him. Uh, you know, I, I, he was my one of my best friends. Uh, and everybody's like, man, uh, you know, yeah, I, mean, I spent so much time together with him. We In the winter times. Uh, during the season, spring training, and, and losing Dennis at a young age was uh, that hurt. That hurt a lot. Um, but the funny part about Dennis is Dennis was not a, a fan favorite of kids in clubhouses and this and that because obviously sometimes you know some parents have tendencies of just letting their kids do whatever they want to do and run around and get crazy. And I just I said Dennis, listen, I mean, and just give me a chance here. I'm, I'm gonna just I'm gonna. My kids are going to be in line. They're going to be in check. They ain't going to do anything wrong. They understand that uh, every, you know, this is not their environment. This is where, you know, dad goes to work. So you have to be respectful in here. You got to be respectful of the guys around you, respectful of the clubhouse guys that are, you know, working and cleaning and doing all the stuff that they're doing. And uh, you always got to remember that somebody's always going to be happy. Somebody's always going to be mad. and, And hopefully the team wins the game. So you can't run around here like you're at the schoolyard. Uh, and there's rules here. And I, I, I just sold it to Dennis that I'm like, I mean, and, and in a way, what happened was, is like, this was the poster child, you know, kind of like, like, if it doesn't work, <laughs> no kids it's are ever going to be mess allowed. it up for no, everybody else. Yeah. No, no other kids are ever going to be allowed in the clubhouse. So there's a lot of pressure on them. And, uh, but they were great. Connor and Kevin, they would just come in. Uh, you know, most of the time they, they love just to hang out in our batting cages and, and, uh, and they would play their own little imaginary games uh, in the cages. And when the guys would come in, you know, they put the ball on the tee for them and then uh, they let them go, you know, when they get ready to hit and they tell them to go get out of there, they pick up all the balls up for them and for whenever the next guys came in. So they understood, man, like just the ins and outs and how a clubhouse works. And, and like you said, Dennis was, like I said, Dennis was my best friend, but Carl, you know, he's also one of my best friends too, is that he, you know, he, it's like they, it's, it's the inner sanctum of like getting the opportunity to be around there and in there and see that, uh, it's pretty special, but it, it's also, you just see the respect that goes around from player to player, trainer to trainer, clubhouse guy to player and, and the media that comes in and out. And, uh, I, you know, I think, uh, my boys learned a lot from that. 
Well, I can attest to the fact that Biz is spot on with uh, the, the, you know, Cabin and Connor's ability to kind of adapt to the situation and fit right in and do it in a respectful way because they, they would pick up the baseballs. They would uh, put the baseball on the tee. They did a great job shagging out in the field. They would stay yeah, out of the that. way and they knew where they belonged. And it was, it was awesome to watch. But Biz, I want to ask you, you know, in watching your kids run around the ballpark and be on the field during batting practice and then watching them get go through their little league careers in high school. Did you, did you see Kevin turning into the potential big leaguer that he is now? Well, I missed the little league thing cause I was still playing, but I got into the high school thing and that's, <laughs> that's when I started the, uh, to, to be, have the opportunity to be around on an everyday basis. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Connor was, uh, you know, unique in his own way. He's fast. He was, uh, he, he's one of those, uh, David Eckstein players, uh, Andy Stankiewicz guys that, uh, you know, you just run him out there every day and you win with a guy like that. He was fast. He's smart, knew the game, but he didn't have the size like, you know, like Cavan had or, uh, the power that Cavan had. And, uh, but, you know, but watching him grow up, it was, uh, I kind of got more involved in the high school uh, side of things. And then seeing the aspect of things like, listen, let's just, uh, let's get our education first, you know, education's number one and let's, let's go through high school. And if we're able to get uh, drafted or, or go to college, let's, let's, let's try to figure that out. So, you know, both the kids did that. And, you know, I understood where Connor was at uh, physical wise, talent wise. And then Kevin, it was kind of like he, he just kept getting better and better and better. And he had the body. He's got the, you know, the Jeff Blum, big bodies. You're a little taller. You're taller, but I know. But you're like six four, right, Blummer? Yeah, but no. Kevin's got that lean length to him. Lean lankiness. He's got the you know Baggy. Baggy was like his favorite player, man. He loved watching Baggy. Baggy would like take his walks. He'd strike out. He hit some homers. But that's kind of who you know. Kevin is across. He he has Baggy's eye. He's got the gift. You know, so watching him go through high school and then go to college, and you're like, man, this kid just he just keeps getting better and better. And and as you know, guys, you guys both played, so it's just kind of like you know, you just take it one step at a time, one chapter at a time, and just keep checking the boxes. And Kevin was able to get drafted, and you know, go through the minor league system with Toronto. And the next thing you know, we're on a plane going to Toronto, watch him make it his opening day. But you know, he just kept working hard, and I give the kid a lot of credit. And and you guys know yourself, every big leaguer, man, you, everybody works hard. Everybody, you know, tries to last as long as you can. And uh, I give him a lot of credit, man, because he's. Uh, He's uh, he's made himself into a nice little player, and hopefully uh, we get an opportunity to watch him play again this year. Yeah, that would be a great thing for everybody, especially getting the Astros back on the field. But for you, mm -hmm. seeing your son go out there and continue his career, it's got to be tough for him specifically. And I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but you know, you, you the shortened season, and he's you know going into ba basically a sophomore season of baseball. He's got to be chomping at the bit right now. Have you guys talked about uh, how to approach maybe a shortened season like this? Because this is unlike anything any of us have ever experienced. Yeah, no, not really. You just you just try to keep your body ready as best you can. But as you know, I mean, once you get off the field and, and you're you not know, taking your reps every day, ground ball wise, you know, trying to hit or trying to hit every day as much as we can, and uh, you just try to be as ready as you can whenever that uh, whenever you get that call. But it, it is really we we really don't talk about it much because it, this doesn't uh, it's not going to make it better because it's kind of like you know hopefully you know this thing starts to turn a little bit and gets better and then we could start getting some hopefully some dates or maybe potentially some stuff that now we can get encouragement over and uh you know like when you have a strike or a lockout it's kind of like all right you know it's coming you know it's coming you know it's coming we go back to work and 
you know, this one here is just kind of like, you know, we're, we're still in no man's land with it. But so we don't really try to discuss it much. We both understand what's going on here. And, uh, you know, and, and just for everybody, man, I mean, our thoughts, thoughts and prayers are for, for everybody. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the Blue Angels just kind of went like right around our block here. You know, we got so many people out there that are risking, you know, risking their own health uh, in order to save others. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, fortunate. Uh, I think America is going to be stronger for, because of this. Right. Yeah. We have we have no right to, to complain about anything with what, what people are doing for us, their sacrifice. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Kevin has that that gift uh, with his eye like Baggy did. And it reminded me of what Mike Trout's dad used to say that him and him and Mike, when Mike was little, he would keyhole his dad when he was throwing in batting practice. He, he wouldn't swing at anything an inch off of the plate. And they would get in fights. They would get in fights in the, in the cage. His dad would, was yelling at him to swing the bat. But it's a gift, though, isn't it? Isn't that it is a gift? a gift. I mean, I look, I mean, I struck out a lot. So, I mean, <laughs> it was his gift was it, it's he, I remember in high school, we we're playing an inter squad game. And uh, coaches are calling balls and strikes from behind on plate. And the guy, one of the coaches rung him up and he goes, that doesn't count. That's, that's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> like he, he was mad then. I go, it's just an inner squad game, bro. Don't worry about it, man. He goes, no, no, it was wrong. It was wrong. I was like, okay, whatever. That's so funny. Hey, when, uh, when did you know that, that Baggy was a superstar? I, I know you got to the big leagues a couple of years ahead of him. And you came in with some crusty dudes. But uh, yeah. Baggy kind of kind of sifted his way through there. And when did you know he was he was uh, kind of elite? Well, spring training. I mean, um, it's kind of you know, you know, we we made that trade and he came over and uh, and, and Ken Caminetti was at third base and and Baggy was at third base. Uh, I think I don't think a lot of people remember that. And uh, he had a great spring. And uh, Yogi Berra is one of the coaches on the staff, and he's like. Well, obviously, Baggy's not going to uproot Ken Caminetti over there at third base. Uh, let's just put him over at first. And Baggy had to learn first base in a uh, couple weeks before spring training was over. And, uh, you know, the rest was history. And uh, it just goes to show you, I mean, uh, you know, the power came later uh, for him uh, than it did in the minor leagues. And uh, But everything else, when you know, Yogi Berra says, we got to keep this guy on the team and just put him over at first base. And uh, so I kind of saw him spring training right away. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, two unique talents playing for the Houston Astros for as long as you did, you know, and in recognizing how good Baggy was early on, when did you guys realize that you were going to be stuck together for the next 15, 20 years? Did you guys become good friends early on? And did you see this moving as far as you guys thought? No, we came tight right away, right from the beginning. It was a unique situation, uh, Blumber. That was a 1990, was it 91? He was rookie of the year. And then, but we had also 15 rookies on that team. So... For me, I, I broke in with a bunch of old, salty dudes. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it was like everybody was my age. And we were tight, man. We were, you know, we were tight. We were all good friends. And we went out and played hard every day, day in and day out. And then we finally got to the playoffs in 94, which was a pretty quick turnaround. You got to remember Luis Gonzalez, Mike Hampton. Uh, I think Gonzo was a third baseman. Uh, you know, you had Cammy Baggy. I mean, the list, Shane might have been part of that group, um, you know, so that, uh, so for us in general, yeah, we became tight right away and worked out in the off season. I mean, we hung out together, we, you know, we just had fun, man. We enjoyed each other's company 
And uh, we, you know, and for Baggy and I, we were shoot, we were just two East Coast kids hanging out in Texas in the big leagues. Man, life wasn't there was nothing better than that. What was it like back then? Because I feel, you know, it's interesting now with the resources that guys have when they first get called up. Signing bonuses are huge. The major league minimum is massive. So these guys can pretty much pick and choose where they live in the offseason. But you and Baggy, like you just said, are both East Coast guys who chose to stay in Houston and live here. What was it for you that kept you in Houston as opposed to going back to uh, the East Coast and staying there during the offseason and making this home? Well, Texas is Texas, man. Houston was great. I mean, they, they welcomed my family and I with open arms and Jeff, the same thing. And, um, we were indebted to the community and, and, you know, Dennis Laborio was one of my best friends. He lived here. My first house was like right around the corner from him was where I ended up buying from. And, uh, you know, everything was here and, and, and we were like, okay, let's just, you know, we love it here. And I mean, the weather in the, in the wintertime, as, as we all know, is, is, uh, you can't beat it. And, um, it was just, uh, from the beginning, we just said to my wife, man, let's just, let's buy a house and stay and let's get involved with the community and, uh, in the organization more and, and, and play this thing out as long as we can. And, and shoot, as you know, what, 35 years later, it's been, uh, it's been an unbelievable place to live for us. And Viz, how did, how did the Sunshine Kids partnership begin? I mean, it goes back to when I, I was, a, I had a newspaper route. Uh, in New York, uh, I delivered newspapers and there was a family on the route that came down, uh, one of their, their children came down with leukemia and unfortunately lost his life. And I made a promise. So we, I became really close and tight knit with that family. I, I promised, I said, if I'm ever in the big leagues and ever in, in a situation I can give back, I swear to God, I promise you guys, I will, I'm going to give back and get back. So anyway, Larry Anderson, uh, would bring the kids out to the sunshine kids out on a Friday night you know, once a month or something like that, give them a hot dog, Coke, give them some tickets, uh, let them watch the game and get to meet the players before the game, take some pictures, sign some autographs and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm 22 years old and, and I'm like, wow, man, it's like this, this, this great organization. It's a great family. And, uh, uh, you know, Larry's doing an unbelievable thing. And then Larry got traded. And then I was like, wow, this is a, unbelievable opportunity to get involved in this group and this organization of kids. And it's everything that I promised that family in New York that I was going to do. And, and then the sunshine kids are, they're just incredible people, incredible kids. And the marriage that we've had together for the last 35 years has been unbelievable. And the people I got, I have to, I, uh, Sparky, I got to say, man, the, the people in the community here have been so incredibly generous uh, to the Sunshine Kids and myself, uh, and uh, we're very grateful for that. Are you watching The Last Dance right now, the stuff with the Chicago Bulls on ESPN? And he's awesome. He's Okay. He's, yeah. I mean, he's incredible, but I haven't seen the one with it. I, I, I don't – I want to keep – like, I want to watch them all, so I'm kind of – I haven't had time. Right. right now I'm trying to get caught up in Ozark, so I'm like on uh, – the second season of Ozark, which is one crazy show. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Blummer, Blummer and I have talked about this a little bit. So you get an in-depth look at, at Michael Jordan and his life. And the reason why I ask you is I, I just want to ask you because it, it looks to me like there's times when he's miserable because he, he just has no solitude. And I was just going to ask you, how recognizable are you, a Hall of Fame baseball player outside of Houston? Uh, it depends on where I'm at. But I mean, I think yeah. because of my, my stature and my size, I fit in with society. So people don't look at me, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. usually if you're a football player, you're tall, you got massive arms, you know, JJ Watt can't hide anywhere, you know, 
and the basketball guys, they can't go anywhere because they're all seven feet tall. So everybody kind of knows who they are. But for, for Craig Vigio, you know, I'm five uh-huh. foot ten. I mean, I can I can manipulate you can my weight. A, a pretty through. normal life, can't you? Yeah, no, I can, which is great. And and I love mm-hmm. uh, I love my life, man. It's uh, yeah. It's sometimes you know when you can't. You know, you you always got to be on. You always got to be careful, right? But uh, you know, but for those guys like Michael, I mean, he's like Yogi Berra. Here's the way that I usually look at it too. Like Yogi Berra was like one of the top five most recognizable people in the world at one time, and that guy was the most humble human being that you could ever meet. So it was just kind of like that's just the way that I just try to live my life. You've done a good job at it, and you know what's interesting about this year too, getting back to some Astros baseball, is that it's the 20th anniversary of Minute Maid Park, and I want to go back to when you guys first stepped in the ballpark at uh, Minute Maid. Like obviously, it was called Enron back in the day, but you just spent 12 to 13 years in one of the biggest ballparks <laughs> in the world, and you step foot in Minute Maid Park. What was it like for you getting in there and going, "Oh my gosh, how small well, this." Uh, yeah it was like oh my gosh i wish i was 22 years old starting my career off here you know like because uh, you know like people forget like they, everybody thinks that like i played my whole career like uh admit mate and i it was 12 <laughs> years it was 12 years in the astrodome man it, it, yeah people forgot bob watson pushed the fences back a couple of years and it's like it was re- even more ridiculous and um but stepping in the minute made man it was like uh god the the for, for my swing it was perfect because I could hit some short fly balls down the left field line uh, for a right-hander. I think it's more designed set up for a, a typical left-hander, but the way that my swing was, was um, for fly balls, you know, it, with the Crawford boxes was great. And, you know, now I can all of a sudden reach the, I can reach the seats in right field where I typically at, at the Astrodome, I mean, you better get on top and hit a double, uh, try to hit a line drive because if you got under it, you know, it wasn't going to get out over there. So it was nice. Um, you know, it was, it, it was, it was, you know, the Astrodome was so big. It was so old clubhouse was like seven miles from the dugout. And, and then everything was always, then it was brand new. It's like, kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you get your first brand new car, you first get a little bit of money and you buy your first car and you're like, God, man, this is awesome. And, uh, and that's what it was going in the minute made, man. It was just the, and, and, and now you look at it, it's 20 years old now. I mean, who would have thought like, that stadium looks like it's like five years old. I mean, it's it's incredible the way they keep it clean. The the renovations they've done in the outfield are awesome. Uh, we didn't get to see it this year, but the, down the right field line, uh, putting some more uh, club seats up there. Um, it's just a beautiful park. I think it's one of the top five in the game. Oh, I completely agree. And I think Jim's doing a good job with that new lease that they have with uh, Houston Sports Authority, like you said, to upgrade it and continue to make it fan-friendly yeah. to get people in there to watch, obviously, a phenomenal team. And I'm going to steal uh, you know, the torch from Sparky right here and ask probably the dumbest question of this podcast. <laughs> and what was your favorite moment in Minute Maid Park? Ooh. Smithtown, New York, with Texas-sized dreams, and now as he's mobbed by his teammates, those dreams have become reality, and they'll be recognized someday in another town in New York, Cooperstown. 3,000 hits for Craig Vigio, the 27th man to reach that figure. 
Patty and Quinn, the boys in uniform tonight down in the dugout. Connor and Cavan have been on the last couple of road trips. We were told Craig did not want the game stopped very long tonight, but obviously the moment has to be celebrated. Oh, absolutely. What a time for Houston baseball. 3,000 hits, obviously, was to be able to be loyal and faithful to one city and one organization for your whole career, and then to be able to have that happen in front of your home fans. Uh, I think the 3,000 hits was probably, you know, my last game was one that I'll never forget. And, I, and I'll never forget, um, you know, playing the, the first World Series game there. And one of the coolest things about playing the first World Series game there was um, the, the, uh, um, uh, a sunshine kid named Frankie who went through some really horrific times but is doing great threw out the first pitch of the first World Series ever in the history of the Astro organization or in Texas uh, at uh, at Minute Maid, which was uh, it was a pretty special moment for uh, for he and I. That's awesome. I, hey, you know what? All, I was just thinking. So all three of us have been married for a long time, and I don't think people can appreciate what in the world wives of ball players go through, or anybody okay. who works in this game. It travels the way we have. And you talked about your kids, and there's a lot of pride, even your inflection, Craig, when you talk about your kids, and you should, but most of it's not you. Most of it's Patty, isn't it? She was, she was unbelievable. Oh, 100%. I mean, my kids are, you know, you know, dad comes in, he comes out, he's in, he's out, as you know, but I mean, the mom is there 24-7. You know, the mom was there for all the baseball games, the Little League games. Mom was the one, you know, driving to school in the morning, feeding them at night, doing the laundry, you know, just you know, making sure that they're good people, making sure you're going to church on Sunday. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, <laughs> we are. I think the three of us are very fortunate to have some pretty special women um, that marry us and stay with us. Uh, and uh, they are definitely the uh, the secret ingredient to a uh, successful uh, career and, and raising great children. It takes two uh you know, but again, having a good wife, you know, to stand behind you when you stink, you know, when, like, yeah. when times are tough and like, <laughs> yep. you know, shit, I, I'm over 36. That's okay, honey. You know, you'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know whatever. What? They, they understand it. They get it. And yet again, you know, you got a kid throwing up on you in the morning and your husband stinks, can't uh. get a hit. You, you know, you, Sparky, you're absolutely right. hundred percent. I mean, it's just, you know, without having a good, uh, a great woman and Patty, for me personally, uh, I don't think things would have went as well if I didn't have somebody like her. And what were those conversations like with Quinn? You know, we, we kind of watched Connor and Kevin grow up, you know, because we saw him from year to year and we, you know, see them at the ballpark or whatever. But Quinn was in the shadows with Patty. What were those conversations like with Quinn, with uh, with your fandom and your stardom? Well, Quinn didn't really. She was, she was just so young. So like if you look at the pictures like you know my last year she was like 5 or whatever and and she just wishes that uh you know like the boys got to travel on the planes be bat boys work the clubhouse understand that whole thing and um so I mean it's uh from that standpoint you know then she gets dad that's home full time which I don't know is actually that's probably a good thing for her <laughs> now you're in tune to everything that's going on you know and you can't step out of line but uh uh, she, you know, she, she listens to her brothers talk a lot about the memories that they had and the trips that they had. And, uh, you know, and, you know, it, she just wishes that she was a little bit older at that time, but yet again, she's doing great. She's doing amazing. Uh, you know, playing Notre Dame softball and, uh, get a great degree up there. She took her last final yesterday. I felt bad for her. She's doing great. Felt bad. You felt well, bad it's for so her? hard. I mean, 
Well, she was on oh. the damn computer all day long. I mean, not oh, okay. like it was just like Notre Dame's hard, way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't go back and do satellite tr- uh, courses oh, with I, Seton Hall to try and compete oh with her? Oh, my God. Everybody's like, did you go to Notre Dame? I'm like, heck no. I wasn't that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, where'd you go? You went to where'd you go? I went to, to Cal. Cal Berkeley. Cal Berkeley. Yeah. Right? Sparky, where'd you go? I went to the Harvard of the South, Sam Houston State University. Sam Houston State. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think awesome. it's safe to say that well, at least uh, yeah, our batting averages were higher than our GPAs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as you went to the next grade, man, that's all I cared about. I'm like, Oof. Dude, eligible. heck yeah! That's all you want to be, just want to be eligible. <laughs> yeah, you were ta- you're talking about your kid. Obviously, Co- uh, Kevin and Connor understood uh, how good your career was. Did Quinn understand how good your career was? Did you have to like go back and pull out some tape and say, no, Dad, Dad's a legitimate Hall of Famer? Well, that's what the internet's for nowadays. You know what I mean? It's kind of right? like uh, you know, it helps out. But as 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 you as you guys know, as time goes on, people forget. They just forget, you know, like how good, you know, everybody was that played the game and the game just trying, the, the game keeps moving on. It just keeps moving on different players, different, you know, different names and stuff like that. So, uh, uh, you know, it happened. It, it's nice to have, uh, two older brothers that can remind her of that. But again, <laughs> you, as you guys would know in, in my house, there's, um, I, I'm the, I'm not at the bottom of the feeder. Here, you know what I mean? It's kind of like I get picked on more than anybody. <laughs> oh, I, I hear you in a house you know of five women goes. and one dude. Yeah, you're like Doug Brokale, same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we, we had a lot of conversations when Doug and I were still playing about how to handle this thing. He handles it a little bit differently than most. Yeah, he's back though. He looks good. He looks good in Baltimore. He he's doing a good job. He's great. Yeah. He's no, great. he's fantastic. I got. I, I've only. I know Sparky's got one more question for you, Bish, but I got one no, more. No, we're good. Whatever you got. Um, but uh, I just wanted to ask you about this. Uh, the, the 2019 season obviously ended a little bittersweet uh, mm-hmm. for the Astros, getting to Game Seven, eight outs to go, and they end up losing uh, Game Seven of the Washington Nationals, and then obviously the ensuing scandal that uh, is behind them, starting off spring training. Have you been around the guys enough, or did you get down to spring and get a chance to kind of get a feel? for how these guys are how do you anticipate them handling potentially getting on the field this season and dealing with those two uh those two issues that they had at the end of last season well i mean i was down there for the first 12 days of spring so kind of laying low behind the scenes and everything like that and just uh i wanted to get down there early just see how the guys were doing and you know you you lose like you did last year i mean i mean if you don't believe in destiny uh you're never going to believe it from the standpoint where the visiting team won every game in a world series game who would have ever thought that? I mean, Washington comes in, uh, they take two games, and then we go to Washington, take three, and then, boom, you come back, and they, they take two games from us at home. And, you know, it's uh, that's hard, man. It's just like this is an emotional game. Uh, sometimes I think people don't understand is that uh, how hard it is. But yet, you know, you got to the World Series, and you came really close. And then, you know, and then we had some of those things that uh, they had to deal with, um, you know, in the off season that they had to deal with. And, um you know, I think that uh, as time was going on during spring training, uh, they were understanding it better and getting better with it. And then they wanted to play. They wanted to go to the cities. They wanted to go to, you know, just do what they had to do. You know, and now you just kind of had to wait. So uh, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, we'll just have to, uh, you know, get there. And, and when the season starts, you can deal with it all over again. Hey, you've, you've really got invested. And I don't think you would unless you really cared about them and liked them. Uh, what is it about this group of, of players that's so special, you think? I don't know. You know, they're just they, – they remind me a lot of the teams that we had in the 90s. Uh, 
you know, like I was saying, like uh, the nineties are special years for me, just from that, uh, we were so young and had fun and loved the game and young, loved hanging out together and, and, and just going out. And then once we figured out how to win and, and we got really good, I mean, oh, it's just some special time. Cause we just knew we were going to beat you every single day that we came out and played. And, uh, but then we had the friendship, you know, that was on the field. We had the friendship off the field. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are tight, man. They've been together for a long time. They've been through a lot together. Uh, you've been through a lot of playoff games, been a lot of world series games together, you know? So you get, uh, you get that camaraderie that, um, you know, is, uh, is pretty special. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy being around our guys. They, they, they're just, they're, they're, they just remind me a lot of the, the teams that we had in the nineties. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun and they're good people. Couldn't agree with you more, and we've heard that from you and Jeff Bagwell, two Hall of Famers, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys moving forward, hopefully here sooner than later. But, Craig, can't thank you enough for coming on to Astros Pod and giving us some of your time and some of your insight. It's always an awesome time talking to you. Uh, Appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you soon, man. Yeah, me too, guys. Let's go play some golf. Yeah, buddy, let's do it. a lot of big time legends in astral world be able to have access to those guys it couldn't be better could it no it really can't you know and these are unique times and it's offered us unique opportunities and what i love about it is that we have resources like lance berkman you know jeff bagwell craig biggio and biggio for me you know he was a guy that when i played with him was a you know a little bit uh grumpier i guess than jeff bagwell but played the game incredibly hard i learned a lot about uh, being professional on and off the field from craig and now being able to hear him you know kind of get his feelings and his emotions out in words has been an absolute bonus for us and it's great for the fans to be able to hear the insight from a guy like Craig Biggio that's meant so much to the city, number one, but also to the organization. It's been an absolute blast, but he's got a great heart, a great family, and he is definitely a huge piece of the Houston Astros. You know what I've heard from fans about Biggio more than anything is that dads could take their kids to the ballpark, or their daughters, take them to the ballpark, and they could point to Biggio, and they could they could point to the way he hustled down the line, the way he played the game, how dirty he got, how he sacrificed everything he could, and tell their son or daughter, what him that's the way you play the game and i would imagine jeff you being a teammate a younger teammate you almost felt the same way watching bagwell and biggio play the game no you absolutely nailed it because i spent the first three years of my career with the montreal expos and we were you know young kids coming up together you know cutting our teeth in the big leagues learning uh how to compete at this level and then i got traded in 2002 in the spring of 2002 to the houston astros and i always say it's like getting called up again for me because i was coming to an organization that was extremely good the expectation was of winning but it also had those key guys in the clubhouse like the jeff bagwells and craig Biggios who you know you kind of watch through high school and college and through my minor league career and that's one thing you do notice is how hard they play and then you get to watch them play for 162 games and you're like damn these guys don't give up on any play they play every play of every game for 162 games as hard as they possibly can and watching that understanding how great they were just made you want to go out there and you know you may not be able to be up to par with them as far as talent but you can go out there and compete and hustle as hard as they do and that's what they taught me yeah well blummer i appreciate it man it's always great to do these with you you always make it a lot of fun big thanks of course to craig biggio but uh i'm steve sparks with astros radio and we'll catch you the next time on astros pod see you later whether it's at the ballpark or at home 
anywhere. Thanks to all the frontline workers. Thanks to those sacrificing now. Soon we can cheer together. Together. Stay safe, Houston.